Good afternoon. This is the Bottom Rock Podcast. Today's episode is going to be about that sensation we get in our body we refer to as pain. What it actually is, how to fix it, and how to get back to pain-free, active daily living. So yesterday I was at a concert uh, from about 10 a.m. until 2.30 in the morning where there were an awesome lineup with Brian Adams, Belinda Carlisle, Blondie, Inhaler, and Dear Rouge. The group uh, was pulled together by the, fa- the family, the Beattie Development Group. So the Beatties are out in Vancouver and they are a development family. They build high-rises, they do land assemblies, and they uh, build communities uh, around the lower mainland and some other areas. Uh, Ryan and his wife uh, have done this event uh, a few different times, and yesterday they raised an incredible $2 million uh, for a charity, and they contributed double the amount of the proceeds that were uh, brought together uh, by the people of Vancouver. My role yesterday was to show up and basically... Uh, treat the artists and the crew members of the people backstage and it was uh, quite the eclectic group it was quite the experienced group Blondie is 78 Deb uh, is 78 years old Brian Adams uh, he's almost uh, 63 years old uh, Belinda Carlisle is also in her 60s and then you've got the young guys uh, Inhaler uh, with the um, the lead singer Elijah is actually uh, Bono's son, and then uh, Dear Rouge uh, with their experience as well, and they're into their forties, uh, I believe. But all the crew, the the stage managers, the production managers, the lighting guys, the drummers, the guitarists, some of the the musicians um, played with Leonard Cohen. Uh, some of the people toured with uh, Cindy Lauper. It it was quite the experience uh, group of people yesterday, and so I heard a ton of stories. And I showed up, and we had put out a sign uh, and set up a tent backstage to treat everybody. And nobody signed up, but first it started with one individual, um, Mark, one of the. Uh, guys who's working with Blondie and he came in and uh, we got we had a great conversation we got into his pain and then it just started to unfold uh, and ended up treating 15 people yesterday uh, including the artists and including the, uh, all the the crew the conversations the physical pain was just kind of influence why I, I was already debating on what to do for the next episode. I, I had created the episode, which is uh, about pain, and I was going to go one direction, but now after talking to them, I just have to be a little bit more uh, uh, clinical with it in a way that I want to talk about it more of how I talk about it like in sessions, because sitting here in my house all by myself, talking to a microphone, staring out the window in the backyard is a little bit different. And so uh, 
I've been trying to structure the podcast, but this one I'm going to try to be a bit more uh, free. And I've got that feedback from the last couple episodes too, where it's a little bit easier. Uh, I, I, or I feel a little bit easier because it's, uh, it's part of uh, a conversation. So these, these crew members are also in their 60s, 70s, uh, 50s, down into the, the youngest guy I worked on was, uh, one of the crew guys, the lighting guy, was at 30. And every single person had pain. Every single person gets up in the morning and does something to manage their pain. They're either taking an anti-inflammatory, they're putting a cooling rub on their muscles or their aching joints or they are taking a Tylenol or something like that to block the pain and what we what we just talked about was the concepts of pain because they all had their people that they talked to they all had their treatments that they went through but nothing was like sufficiently helping them and some of it is because their people are put into protocols and some of it is understanding the pain. So what we're constantly doing at the root source is in our body, first and foremost, we're, we're fighting gravity. Well, that's what our body's main goal is, is to fight gravity so we don't fall over. That's why our muscles are built. That's how our bones are built. Second, then we're going to change our posture based on pain. So we're going to adapt our body away from pain. Third, then we're going to start moving as we start uh, becoming locomotive and we start moving into action. We then start moving to fight against gravity from falling on our face and hurting ourselves. And then fourth, while we're moving, we're going to be moving away from pain that starts happening while we are moving forward. Then next is moving to complete an action of a a performing act so it could be whether it's a sport whether it's uh doing the lighting or a soundboard or playing a guitar or uh singing at your keyboard or uh teaching children and writing on the chalkboard across the board what we're doing in our job we have our mechanics um to fight against gravity and second is to fight against pain because we're not falling over at first we're we're standing there and we can do sometimes the actions of our mechanics through pain um, but then we try to avoid them after and so where am i going with that well so where is pain what's actually happening in your body because people say like well it's my tennis elbow broad term uh, there's eight different types of tennis elbow. Well, it's my ankle. Uh, so uh, it's my hip, it's my knee, it's my back. Uh, the broad terms, what, what's actually happening? There are, if we use the, there are, there are little tiny nerves throughout our body um, across everything. And the Body World's program is a great way to go to their website or go to their show and see how intricate the the body and the nervous system is. And so when our nerves are pulled, that's when we're going to get our pain signal. Uh, 
So many times people are trying to stretch to get rid of pain, to alleviate pain. That only does things periodically and it often makes things worse. When the nerve is pulled, it's going to give that pain signal, similar to a, which is a sound, similar to a guitar string. When you take a guitar string and you buy it at the store after you've torn one of the guitar strings, it is in a bag and you can lay it on a table, you can lay it on uh, wherever you want on the counter and it will not make a sound. You can brush your fingers over it, it will not make a sound. As soon as you attach that guitar string onto the guitar and pull it nice and tight, it will make that sound. And as you tune the guitar, as you pull it at different uh, tensions, at different places, if they put the clasp on the, on the neck of the guitar to make different sounds, that's going to give different types of nerve pain, different types of nerve signals. And if we take that analogy and we put that into our body, there's different nerves that are being activated to give you the pain signal. There's deep pain, there's sharp pain, there's throbbing pain, there's uh, hot pain, there's cold pain, um, there's dull pain. And so the majority of the pain, when we're just simply standing, sleeping, um, or in slow motion, unless it's a, like a powerful event where we actually rupture uh, a tendon or a ligament, the majority of our daily use chronic pain is because the capsule or the ligament or the tendons are being pulled or the, or the fascia is being pulled. The fascia is the sheath over the top of the muscles or even our skin are, is being pulled and there's tiny, those little vessels are getting pulled. And so what do we want to do? We want to shorten it up so there is no pain sound because otherwise it will keep getting pulled tighter and tighter and tighter and we will change our mechanics more and more. And when we change our mechanics, then the next place hurts and then the next joint hurts. And so when I'm assessing and working with these people yesterday from across the globe, some of them are from LA, some of them are from the UK, some of them are from Canada, some of them were from deep Texas, some of them were from um, uh, Florida, they were from all over the world. And everybody spoke the same language. Everyone knew about their body they knew about their conditions, but, and they were all existing with it for, for years. And so what we did first, we assess, we, we pull the body. I, I kind of been working from the heels up, uh, feeling the different tensions. And when there's the long side of the muscles, so muscles are either short or they're long. When the muscles are long, we, we like to shorten them. So we activate those. We get them to contract those muscles. That shortens up those muscles and then and actually slightly pulls the bones sometimes back into place. There'll be a little click where the bone just slightly goes back into the proper position. We also then uh, lengthen the muscles that are too tense already. 
and shortened up. This is where people are often confused about the tensions. So they don't feel this tension until I actually palpate or touch that area of their body. Oftentimes that's what needs the manual work. So massage therapists, physiotherapists, the uh, osteopaths, the manual work comes from helping to move through the tight tissue. The strength and conditioning helps to shorten the long tissue. And with that, we then create a better balance within the physical body. There is an emotional influence on the body's pain. And we went through that with the majority of the people. Because now, where we're at in 2023, the majority of people can understand that their emotional stressors and the environmental stressors in their body, whether it's personal, business, um, financial, whatever, plays an impact on their body. So we had a few interesting conversations because there's the, there's the mind map of the body. The brain sees the body in a certain way uh, with the physical side of where the calf is in the, in the brain, where the shoulder is in the brain. There's a mind map of that. There's also a mind map of the emotions. And when you cross these over, like I've been talking about with the mental health zones, when you cross these sections over, there is an overlap. And so some of the people who are older, uh, and it might seem obvious from this side of it, um, but the more tension in some of the older individuals was uh, in the right calf, closer to the perineals, uh, which is in the gallbladder meridian in traditional Chinese medicine. The perineals support the ankle. And we had conversations about some of their decision-making. The gallbladder in traditional Chinese medicine helps to influence decision-making and uh, processing. Uh, it helps to with the right leg, like move things forward. Um, so people often will get tension in this uh, emotional side of it while they're trying to decide what to do next, build up confidence and faith in what they're going to do next, and then work through that. And sometimes they push it off uh, because they need some more time to ruminate. And sometimes they don't need to. So that's where the conversation went. It went from away from the ruminating and the stressor of making that decision and just trying to surrender and, and go with ease into the into that next process of their life. And as we were talking, their body does start to open up. And then we support those messages with the electroacupuncture. So we, we lengthen the the short muscles we strengthened some of the lung muscles then we did the electroacupuncture to release the serotonin uh, for the majority of the time uh, in those certain areas that were under too much tension and too much pain and it goes all the way up the chain so with the with that specific location on the right calf the majority of the time, L5, the lower vertebrae, is going to be rotated a little bit. And um, because the person starts shifting over onto the right side. 
And so the, the lower back starts to shift over as well so that they're stabilizing. They're basically standing on that right leg like a, like a pivot point, like a, like a post. And so what they come in with is actually left-sided Achilles pain, left-sided hamstring pain. The, the thought process is that everything's on the left. But in actual fact, the things to work on are on the right. And so with everything being pulled on the left, it's because it's you're, you're transitioning your body onto your right side because of that uh, instability on the right ankle, the right leg from the, from the actual uh, situation that's over there. And so they have more sharp pain on the left. So what we did once we were able to pull them back onto the left side and, and centralize them to get away from some of the mental pain and some of the uh, other tensions on the right side, then they're more even. They're more stable. They're uh, much more mobile, uh, taller, a little bit longer with uh, the spinal cord. Um, and then the pain tracks up to the, the mid-back, uh, sometimes with heartburn, sometimes with just tension um, around the mid-back, about an inch to two inches below the shoulder blade region, and then uh, into the neck as well, just underneath the angle of the jaw. Pretty t uh, typical. Uh, they'll also have similar... Um, symptoms because then they, their shoulders start really rolling forward and uh, then the neck to, to counter the rolling forward of the neck the neck then has to extend and you get the forward head posture and so what that leads to and I, and I checked in with it is what happens when you get sick do you get sick more in the sinuses and the chest and it was consistently a yes and it tears back and forth, sinus down into the upper chest, back to the sinus, and kind of ping-pongs over about three to four weeks. And that's because as you get that forward head posture, they're rolling forward and they're uh, pinching off some of the lymphatic drainage. They're pinching off some of the openings in the upper thorax, the chest cavity that drain the sinuses. Uh, into the stomach and into the liver to be processed. So all the pathogens that were inhaling through our nose, all the pathogens were in, intaking into our mouth, uh, all of that stuff, our eyes, our ears, is, is being drained into the chest. And when we're rolling forward, that's all going to be kind of closed off. So with manual work, we then open up the shortened side of the front of the neck. We uh, open up the shortened side of the front of the chest, the the shoulder girdle, and the kind of the upper wheel, and then the so we want to tilt that upper wheel back, open up the chest, straighten the neck out, and then have them recenter themselves as well. And when we see that visual, it allowed everybody to kind of check in with their posture. It it allowed them to check in with their gait 
and we could see the pattern showing up in um, the wear and tear on their shoes as well. And most of these people wore uh, pretty rigid shoes. I know a lot of chiropodists tell people to wear rigid shoes and they put the uh, orthotics into the shoes to be more rigid. What we need to do here isn't to be more rigid in the shoes and the orthotics, it's to be more mobile, it's to work on our mobility and strengthen our hips, our joints, um, because that's what's uh, crucial as we age. And our hip stability is absolutely critical because hip stability, uh, when we aren't stable, can increase the probability of falling as we age, especially if our our pelvis isn't working that well, our feet aren't working that well, our reaction speed isn't working that well. And so instead of just catching us, we fall. Uh, We could break our hip, and uh, hip fractures are directly related to all-cause mortality, uh, which is pretty devastating. And that actually happened with my grandmother. She fell trying to open up the window, hurt her hip, never got out of the mobile chair uh, again and then ended up um, stuck in bed until the end of her life over uh, a number of years. And so it's crucial that we maintain the joint stability by strengthening our feet, strengthening our lower legs and kind of checking in with our abilities um, to increase our reaction speed and we could do that through a number of things. So we can do that with simple exercises uh, of stability balls or foam pads uh, or pillows. If, you, if you're financially restricted uh, or just want to give it a shot, you can stand on your pillow, one foot, two foot. Um, and then you can lean into the medical side a little bit more, getting a PRP or a platelet-rich plasma injection where they take some of your blood and they inject it into the the lengthen muscles, uh, or ligament, sorry, and tendons. And that whole goal of PRP and prolotherapy is to shorten those uh, capsules and shorten all those structures and strengthen them up. And so that's why um, it, it's critical to, to check in with where our actual pain is, see where we're short versus where we're long, And instead of always trying to stretch through our pain, we want to strengthen through our pain. And we can do this by stabling our exercise. Um, And I'm repeating that because it's uh, it's critical and it's not being done very often. And it's not being done very often in so many regions of the world through so many practices. And so uh, I know I only have limited followers, but... um, I know I positively influenced a lot of people yesterday uh, and sending them all exercises and mobilization and uh, nerve flossing techniques. Um, And so on that point, the nerve flossing is where it's um, key as well to test if it's actually a nerve uh, that's pulled or a nerve that's getting stuck. And... For another analogy that I use often is if we're if we're washing our car and we're pulling the hose and the hose gets caught on the tire, 
the pain point is going to be either one or two locations. The pain point is going to be where it's getting pinched at the tire or where it's getting pulled at the hand um, because there's not enough water coming out. And so the same thing happens in our body. When that nerve is getting pulled around a bone or diving through a muscle, that's where often there can be some um, pain syndromes as well. And, and it often happens in the calf, uh, about three inches below the knee, uh, right in the middle to the kind of the lateral third of the, of the calf is going to be the posterior tibial nerve getting caught through the soleal hiatus. The soleal hiatus is a, is a muscle called the soleus. And the posterior tibial nerve and the, the, the blood vessels, the arteries and the veins dive through that uh, to feed the bottom of the foot. And when those are too tight, uh, it's also going to shift your, your low back a little bit as well so that the low back can shift away from the tension as it's diving through that spot. Uh, and that's pretty consistent to what we saw yesterday on that right side. And I'm confident that that's where most of the conditions kind of started uh, with people who are working through some of the issues that are kind of coming ahead. Uh, it leads to some anxieties. It leads to some uh, more irritability. And that kind of comes along with the picture. Um, and it's pretty common here post-COVID coming into some of the financial times that we're going through with interest rates coming up, people having to step back uh, from some of the luxuries that they want, and uh, or people going through some of the career changes uh, with some significant uh, changes in the employment rates. And so we can identify which nerve and then floss it so we can do um, mobilization of that nerve uh, by ourselves or assisted with a therapist an osteopath to to move that nerve take the tension off and then that also relieves a lot of uh, pain but and it also increases muscle fiber uh, recruitment because there's now more electricity flow, flowing through the nerve which, uh, if you need an analogy for that, is um, those old school halogen lights. I remember them uh, speaking to my grandmother being in her basement uh, in the beaches in Toronto, going down into her basement. You pull the um, silver beaded uh, switch, like uh, pull rope. Uh, it flickers for about 30 seconds to a minute until it's warm enough and there's enough electricity flowing through that bulb to be nice and bright. That's the same thing that happens with the nerve. When there is tension on the nerve, it's, it's not getting all the electricity, so it's, it's firing a little bit differently. And we see that and confirm that with the electroacupuncture because there will be some spots that are getting a lot of electricity and some parts that are not at all, and they're all coming out of the machine at the same time and same intensity, and they're not flowing as as consistently as they need to through the areas that are too taut. Um, and so by reconnecting it and getting the messages moving um, properly back into, for example, A, B, C, D, E, when there's a pain signal and we're operating differently, it's going A, E, B, D, C. And so we just kind of keep that in sync um, with 
the electroacupuncture with then the stabilizing and um, e uh, proper exercises. It all helps to strengthen the messaging from our brain to our body. So we're working in a nice uh, in-sync uh, movement pattern and our performance and our pain is then optimal. That's a lot of information. So um, it, it was so universal yesterday and I see it on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, every year, every day. I wanted to get this uh, part of the conversation out there uh, because our biomechanics are a result of 80% of our pain. Our emotional side is a result and contributing to a minimum of 10 to 20 percent and then our stress is also 10 to 20 percent of our pain and then our nutrition is going to be another 10 to 20 percent of our pain and you're like well matt that's way over 100 well yes 100 percent is over 100 why because i know this is kind of cheesy but we as humans have no idea how how life really works, how our body really works. When I first was working with the brain formulas, when I first came into science, I've watched over the last 20 years uh, theories get blown out of the water. I've watched the medical system uh, double and triple its abilities and understandings. Uh, I watch performance athletes. If you watch uh, the NFL or you watch the Olympics, you see people beat the records every time. Nothing is ever 100%. The world's fastest person, male or female or otherwise, in 1980, 1990, is nowhere close to as fast as they were now. And at that time, they were 100. And so today, our understanding of mechanics and nutrition and emotions and stress and all that we can't say that's 100 because there's always going to be the unknown com component. And so I just wanted to, I was thinking about that for a couple of days and trying to figure out how to fit it all into 100, but we don't know everything. We can't guess it, and it, it changes so much. Uh, and I left the nutrition part out there. So the nutrition part, well, I is is also critical because when we're when we are then moving away from like uh, bloating or uh, pain in our stomach, that also does contribute our tensions through our bowels. That pulls our our back. I, I mentioned it on one of the other podcasts as well, uh, and I can I'll follow up with that on the one of the next podcasts to go into that a little bit deeper. Um, but today I wanted to talk about mostly the biomechanics, how everyone like literally across the whole globe was experiencing very similar biomechanical pain. And they all had very similar questions about it. And they all had very similar understandings of emotional side. And it's a very influential group um, very well researched and experienced group and I see that in the clinic every day 
where people are just coming in with a lot of awareness, um, but a lot of repeated pain syndromes, a lot of repeated treatment protocols that are just simply falling short of providing longer-term pain solutions. And the main dialogue is, I just need to stretch more and simply look towards strengthening, look towards taking tension off of those nerves and stabilizing those joints. Thank you. That is the bottom rock.